Good afternoon, all. Welcome to Coffee with Jim interviews with influential healthcare leaders. It's my great pleasure to have with us today, Dr. Hal Baker, Senior Vice President and Chief Digital and Chief Information Officer, Wellspan Health. And delighted to add, Hal is one of the top CIOs in the country today. Hal, of course, it's great to have you here this afternoon. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jim. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Before we get into our topic today, Hal, there have been some juicy rumors at the office water cooler that we need to put to rest immediately. Let's start there. So I know you spent some years growing up in the Cleveland area, right? Yeah. So Browns or Cavaliers? Uh, house divided on that. Uh, my, my wife is a basketball fan. I have loyal, diehard Cleveland Browns fan, Red Ride 88 in the stadium freezing my butt off. And it is an act of faith because all evidence says it's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Good info. Next, favorite, most inspiring leader of all time. You know, I'm going to pick an odd one here for you, but uh, Colleen Barrett, and she was Southwest. the chief people person at Southwest under Herb Keller, who was charismatic. But what I loved about Colleen is that she came into her position through no credentials, which is kind of like how a primary care doctor becomes a CIO, but that she really prioritized her people. And she was a leader that her team chose to follow. And there are leaders who drive and there are leaders who push and there are leaders who create a voluntary following. Um, I think she was one of those. Excellent. Next question, ornithology or paleontology? Yeah, I'm a uh, washed out uh, ornithologist. I went to college to become a wildlife biologist. And uh, after taking off a semester, I realized that I just didn't have what it took. Uh, so I, I would definitely still go ornithology because uh, the living is uh, much more interesting to me than the previous. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. Well, last one. What are the key criteria in running a successful mini golf tournament? Ah, yes. Well, that is something that I've had some past experience with, with our leadership retreats. I think the main thing is to create that competitive spirit. And clearly what you need there is a chief instigator who can heckle with great creativity and impunity to the amusement of all while never really getting under anybody's skin. <laughs> so that teases up for all the less important stuff, right, Hal? So yeah. all, all jokes aside, it's been a pleasure getting to know you these last five or so years. And I've been fortunate to speak with some of your executive colleagues, your supervisors, some peers, some direct reports. And some things they said about you include, Hal is very good at pushing the organization toward greater growth by finding the right amount of tension and discomfort. Another, for someone who has deep intellectual intelligence, technologically and clinically, he has an incredible amount of humility and emotional intelligence. And another, of course, there are many more, but just mentioning three. The third, unique ability to innovate. And you used that word a second ago. So for that reason, our theme today is the human touch between patient and caregiver. Obviously, to be successful at that, you have to motivate. And you've done that, and you've motivated physician teams, and physicians trust you. How do you build trust with your teams, especially these days during the great resignation, coverage gaps, burnout, et cetera? I, I, you know, I think it kind of goes back to what Francis Peabody said to the entering class of Harvard back in the 1920s. The secret to the care of the patient is actually caring about the patient. The secret to inspiring your team is actually to care about them. I am you know, personally not able to do much of anything other than try to help people see what we can make happen. And so therefore, my team has got to believe that I really do care about them. And most of the time, 
I'm able to convince them of what truly is the case, which is I do personally care about my team, them as people, their success. Um, we just had a wonderful guy I share a birthday with go off to become a vice president of another company. And, and while I am you know, really sad to lose him, I am so proud to send him out there, somebody who is better at what he does because he spent time with us and also glad to see his success. Well, that's what so many people did say about you, how you did develop them. Again, we, we don't want to get ahead of the curve. Omicron, maybe numbers leveling out. Uh, yeah. Tell us more. Well, I mean, it does finally seem like we're coming around the, the backside. We're um, you know down to 100 patients in the hospitals. We used to have over 500 just a few weeks ago. And so hopefully maybe herd immunity is starting to settle in either through vaccines or through a less dangerous infection. This time has been remarkable. One of the things we've, we've done is we've really been very deliberate about our remote process. We were very quick to get on camera so we could see each other's face, you know, talk about things like I'm looking at the camera, Jim, right now, not your eyes, but it looks like I'm looking your eyes. And that makes a difference. And you, you have to be attentive to that. We've also recognized that there is an alienation and a loss that can happen uh, by not being able to gather. And so we have to be deliberate about that. I try to write notes to my team when I can. Sometimes they're even legible, uh, which is surprising because I'm a doctor. Um, but you know, at least if they can't read what I said, they know that I cared enough to write it. And you know, one of the things I remember uh, your colleague said about you early on was you just insist that people call you how. And I think that oh, says absolutely. a lot about who you are. Absolutely. Um, and I would encourage anybody who's a physician in administration, the title is more dangerous as a barrier to open communication than it is as a, as a marker of respect. People will respect you regardless. They don't need your title. But there is a real danger that Dr. Baker is a lot harder to tell that he's wrong than Hal might be. And so I really encourage my team to speak up. You know, one of the few things I'll chastise people for is not telling me when they think I'm making a mistake, uh, because we really need that healthy dialogue to challenge each other. And I think that touches on one of the earlier points we mentioned, which is your openness, your candor. And that's, I think, one of the ways you move forward with the team and finding that right amount of tension, discomfort, right? That complete honesty. So, you know, taking a step back, you've yeah. led teams over 16 years there at Wellspan, a massive digital transformation, especially looking at the last five years, let's say your teams have seen an exponential acceleration in innovative breakthroughs, successes. There's been Project One. There have been awards related. All we call Project One. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, awards for sepsis reduction and diamonds. So let me leave that there. Tell us about some of those. Well, the, the sepsis project was one of the most fascinating ones uh, because we, uh, to quote the team that led that, we leveraged humanity. We instead of firing alerts into a busy ED, we had alerts fired to a dedicated nurse whose attention was purely focused on the sepsis alert and would look at the case and make a clinical decision of, is this really a patient with sepsis? And if it was, are they getting everything they need? And only picking up the phone to interrupt the care team if something was being missed. And the team went very quickly in the ED from, why are you calling me to, what do you need to tell me? What am I missing? And it's that trust of human to human leveraged out of that technology that let one nurse cover all of our hospitals, we were able to get to observe to expect the mortality rates that were at like 60%, a goal I couldn't imagine. And you know, to be able to tell your IT team that you helped save 200 people's lives last year and that there are people having dinner with their family on Thanksgiving who wouldn't have been here had you not done that and we'd only been providing average to slightly above average care. That's cool. I love that. 
On the diamond side, years ago when we turned on our patient portal, we made a fork in the road decision at the leadership level that we're going to build a patient portal that we wanted for our family rather than a patient portal that we were always comfortable with as providers. One of my uh, now colleagues, uh, then uh, vice presidents, you know, would challenge our oncologists when they said that you know, we can't release the pathology results for two weeks. Guys, and it's mostly guys, how many of you would wait two weeks if it was your pathology result or your spouse's? They all admitted they'd work around the system. So if we're going to work around the system, why don't we give the patients the same trust? And by doing that, I think we've built a really wonderful patient portal that our staff really love using for themselves and their families. Epic recently told us that in their diamond scale, and their 10 diamonds, but we were the first to get to five diamonds in their entire employee or excuse me, a deployment base. That may legitimately give us a claim for having the best portal in the world, which honestly is something we fantasized about five years ago. We Can still we say universe? Can we say best in the universe, Hal? Yeah, well, they do call it galactic headquarters, so we'll at least go with galaxy. I'll compromise there. <laughs> okay. No, that is incredible. You've touched on what makes these things most significant for you personally, and let's say that team award. I'm a, still a primary care doctor. I still see patients in the office. And so I get to experience the pleasures and frustrations of our technology uh, that I use and then that I help deploy. And, and to some extent, the electronic health record has allowed so many other agendas to enter into the exam room, HCC codes, quality of care metrics, you know, CPT, ICD-10, the complexity of other administrative burdens that can now be delivered to the front lines is just mind-boggling. And in many ways, it's better care, at least better documentation, but cognitively, it's overwhelming. One of the most cool things we've done recently is working with a company called Nuance. We've deployed ambient intelligence, which lets me walk in uh, with my, my um, phone and set it down and just talk to the patient. As one of my docs said, I'm having a conversation instead of doing an interview because I don't have to catalog every detail in my head. That note will come back to me in a few hours. We're hoping soon in a few minutes when the uh, AI technology gets better. But what I've been amazed at is how much it lets me just listen again and how much of the joy of medicine was just being present with patients. You know, if you're looking at a screen, if you're holding a mouse, you can't be looking in an eye or holding a hand. There are only so much time, many seconds in a visit. Most family physicians have 15 minute visits. Every nine seconds is 1%. And how hard do we fight for 1% of revenue? And how easily do we give up 1% of time? There are so many rich data points and emotional points in that uh, story you just told. But it goes back to the human touch, which is part of our theme today, creating that conversation. In a previous discussion you and I had, you told me that you were mindful of some of this may feel to the physicians like some of their control is being taken away. Is, has any of that come up? Yes. Yeah. One of my surgical colleagues uh, during our go live re referred to me as Satan's spawn, um, uh, which uh, he only did with a slight wink. They're right. The burdens have come in and the technology has been daunting and, and we're trying to claw that back. It is everywhere. I don't think we could ever provide better care by going back to a paper record. Yet there's something we've lost. You know, I've got kids who are going into healthcare in one way or another, and I am hopeful that they will be able to enjoy the connection with patients. I think is at the root of almost every physician, psychologist, social worker, nurse, physical therapist going into the profession. It's about making difference to another human being.
I'm now more optimistic than ever that technology can competently get out of the way. Well, talking about some of those last points, this is where I would love to kind of introduce some great news recently, which is, I would say, at the nexus of your just incredible leadership over the last 16 years, excellent clinical skills, interpersonal skills, right? The empathy and uh, emotional intelligence, the technological skills. I'm so excited to say and share with folks that you've been named the Hims Amdis Physician Executive Leader of the Year. Wow, this is an incredible award. Congratulations. Thank you. It was a surprise. I had no idea I was even being considered for it. But to the extent that it, it recognizes me at the moment, I, you know, I think it recognizes the story I'm able to tell and perhaps the story I was able to imagine with my team of what we were trying to do and why. One of the reasons why I've been at Wellspan for 26 years in a variety of roles is that one of our core values is to find a better way. When we've been able to imagine one, we've been able to find one. Well, this award just speaks to so many aspects of what you have been doing. As you said, it's the nexus of where science and healing meet. And of course, I got that phrase from you and team members, exploring the difference between disease and suffering, uh, and just the way that you all have been leveling the playing field between patient and provider. Any corrections, modifications? No, no. Uh, you know, we have, um, I think, leveled more than most. I mean, if you are a woman with your first pregnancy and you get a fetal ultrasound, you don't just get the report. You can literally show your the future grandparents the baby kicking. You're looking at the same X-ray images online, and we 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 did that because we thought we could, and we thought it would be cool, and we even forgot to announce it because it happened right in February of COVID. Six months later, we looked, and there were over forty thousand people looking at it. And last month, we had almost sixty thousand images looked at. There's really not a lot in my patients' records that I can get to that they can't, and that was scary at first. But it was the right thing to do. And I think it's, we provide better care and we provide better transparency and less suffering of uncertainty through it. So it's been really fun to see that happen. When you look backwards, it's amazing what we've done. When you look forward, it seems like it takes forever. <laughs> I bet. Well, that image of the baby kicking is just so powerful. And, and it's cool. Know, it is so cool. Hearing that story, just reminds me of something else that was not said out loud, but people can read between the lines, though. You've been an incredible change management leader. Do you see yourself as such? Is, is that accurate? I have been a change management instigator. <laughs> we have had professionals lead it. <laughs> you know, one of the things as a leader is to really recognize what you're not good at and to make sure you have other people. So the slides and the PowerPoint and the weaving it into a message that is understandable by 90% of our employees, that takes a skill of translation um, sometimes from the ideas. Uh, I, I do think I've been good at asking the question, well, why can't we? <laughs> well, you're humble there because as you know, bringing a whole organization around to some significant changes, requiring people to think differently, do differently, have people change their roles, their understanding of their roles. And then of course, add on top of that, the burnout and COVID and a pandemic is no small undertaking. So a bravo to you. And as I was reading through some of the, the criteria that HIMSS and AMDIS used in their selection of you as their physician executive leader, was obviously advancing professional standards, leadership, and supporting and participating in lifelong learning opportunities. 
Does that have any meaning for oh you now? Oh my goodness. Uh, yes. I mean, there's so much that I have had to learn along the way here um, from cloud-based security to uh, what the difference between supervised and unsupervised machine learning is in artificial intelligence and how that differs from robotic process automation. I mean, that was gobbledygook to me even three or four years ago. So it is um, just a fascinating area. But also, I mean, my God, we, we built a vaccine custom designed off a RNA virus in such fast time that really worked. I mean, I know there's controversy and stuff, but just the fact that it was even pulled off is spectacular. So it is really cool for somebody who still remembers when his dad took him to purchase his first calculator and move away from a slide rule. Uh, yeah, it's been an amazing journey. I bet it has. So uh, we mentioned a couple of awards, the Wellspan Award for the best portal in the universe. There's obviously been the AMDIS HIMSS Award. How about or the Orbi? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, that was given by uh, the Orbi uh, Foundation um, out of Philadelphia uh, and was a, a very interesting uh, thing to be nominated for. It's across not just healthcare, but other, or not healthcare providers, but other industries. And it was uh, something I received last fall and uh, no one was more surprised on the announcement than I was. You know, I, I'm not saying that out of false humility. I just literally didn't expect to win it. I'm more usually more envious of others than they are of me. <laughs> but as somebody uh, recently told me, you know, steal like a sinner and share like a saint. And I think the collective wisdom that out there is so much more than any one of us has. And uh, the dialogue and the sharing, I think that often goes on in health IT versus other IT errors, because we're all mission aligned, um, is one of the great things about my colleagues in the health IT world. Mm. Let's just touch on, again, one of the strengths that your colleagues say about you, innovation. How, how do you innovate, Hal? How do you and team, how do you create that culture of innovation? Again, it's, it's kind of linked to the change management. You know, we'll be talking to our board about this uh, tomorrow. The word is mostly about thinking differently, but it's not just the thinking, it's actually figuring out the execution. So many great ideas die because they just weren't given the right soil to grow, take root blossom, uh, extend. And so I think sometimes it's it's the ability to see when somebody has an idea and nurture it and give it uh, sunlight, water, and soil. And that means making choices. The part that I think is hardest for us in healthcare is killing off a very noble, well-meaning project that just isn't thriving because we're such rescuers. Um, I know in my own mind, I have trouble with that, but it's also looking at the points of friction if something's annoying to you, try to imagine how it could not be annoying to you. How could we do it so it's different? How could I be able to schedule an appointment early in the morning instead of waiting for the office to open so I can call in? You know, we did that. And then it's just trying to overcome the thousands of arguments of why it can't happen. Because one thing I've recognized that no innovation is successfully backed by consensus at the beginning. In order to be an innovation, it almost has to sound like a stupid idea to 75% of the people. What a starting point. The good news is that we've got to see several ending points, and I know this is still not yet the end. But with that, how about we begin to wrap up? You, you shared so many pearls with us, personal stories, greatly appreciate it. How about what makes an ideal healthcare leader today, Hal? Hmm. I think you have to be exceptionally curious, 
open to looking around you and beyond your peers. You have to be able to translate the what into the why and be able to communicate it authentically and credibly to people who choose to believe in where you're going. I do believe in the first follower um, is the critical aspect of choosing a leader because leaders are not self-anointed. They're chosen by those who choose to follow them. Perhaps my reason for choosing Colleen earlier, you know, to carefully break away from the herd, recognizing that there is wisdom in the consensus, but there's opportunity in departing from it. Um, but you have to be careful. You know, the old saying is the pioneer is the guy lying on the dirt with an arrow in his back. So you've got to be careful at doing that. Novelty and innovation are, are dangerous territories and you have to wade into them thoughtfully, carefully, and with adequate support. Well, thank you, Hal. This has been just a tip of the iceberg in terms of the, the human touch between patient and caregiver that you, you continue to bring to your team, to your colleagues, to your community. So bravo, congrats on the awards. Thank you. Again, you and, and the teams. And the team. is, is there anything else that you want to share with us before we wrap up today? I just, yeah, I just ask all your um, healthcare people who might listen to this just to try to remember that how far we've come and that there is so much good despite um, so many problems. We are by nature a problem-focused discipline. Um, we tend to focus on the problems because it's about fixing them. If you look back to what medicine was like in 1990, when I graduated from medical school, boy, have we come a long way and it's fascinating. And I just think the next 10 to 20 years are gonna offer so many great things. There's reason to have hope. Well, what a great optimistic note to leave us with, Hal. Thanks again. It's been such a, a pleasure and so delighted you. for you on, on these successes and um, look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thanks, Jim. It's been great. This has been Coffee with Jim, interviewing Dr. Hal Baker, Physician Executive Leader of the Year. For more podcasts, join us at jamesmckenna.org, Spotify, and Google Podcasts.